We are here with the John Oates, singer, songwriter, musician, uh, author of a memoir, and also, of course, one half of the duo act, Hall and Oates. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you, Nicole. It's very nice to see you. And I actually don't know the young lady at the bottom of the screen, so. I'm Alex. Hey. I'm a I'm a Philly musician as well. Okay, nice to see you. Nice, nice to, to see, see you. All right. You, would you like to introduce your companion here today? Oh yes, my companion. My companion is my very special um, Porsche 1960 Porsche Amory Special. It's a car that was hand built for me for my birthday. That I commissioned. It took almost three years to build, um, and I did it at, for a very, very special birthday, which. Actually, it was my 70th birthday. I decided to treat myself. It just so happened to be Porsche, the company, Porsche's 70th birthday, the same exact year. So I thought as a really cool vibe, I would build a car exactly the way I wanted from an old car. And that's, wow. there it is right there. There she is. Does she have a name or he? <laughs> Did you name your car? Yeah, yeah it's called expensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, miss miss expensive miss miss expensive miss. Miss, yeah. <laughs> i love it um awesome we, we wanted to first just start off by asking how are you doing during this really crazy time in history right now it's it's just like all of us it's very challenging and um you know but it took me a while to come to grips with it because I am such a, um, I like to work. I mean, I'm always active. I'm always traveling. I tour all the time, whether it's with Daryl Hall or whether it's with my own Nashville band, the Good Road Band. So I'm always, you know, active or in the studio. And so I, it, it was quite an adjustment for me to slow it down to the point where I remember one morning I woke up and I said, is this what retirement is like when you just wake up and there's nothing? I, I thought, well, if it is, it sucks, and I'm not into it. Um, so that was my first reaction. Uh, the other thing was then I settled into it, and I started writing songs like a crazy person. Um, I think I've written more songs in the last two months than I've written in years. And um, a lot of them were inspired by this, you know, the, the isolation sequester thing. Um, but just in general... Um, and I think that, you know, I, I focused a little bit more on the words, on the lyrics, you know, trying to come up with things that I felt were, you know, important to me at the moment, emotionally and physically. So that's been, you know, if it can take any positive from it, I think that's been a really good thing. Wow. Awesome. Do you plan to do something with all of these songs now that you have this Well, many? you know, in Interestingly enough, right before this COVID thing happened, um, Daryl and I were all set to do a 38-city tour. And we, we did a show in Hershey, Pennsylvania as a warm-up. And then we played Madison Square Garden and we sold it out. And we thought, okay, this is amazing. We're off to a, you know, we're off and running. It's going to be an incredible tour. We had the group Squeeze and we had a great artist named KT Tunstall opening for us. Mm -hmm. And she's amazing. So we thought this is just fantastic, we're on our way, and then everything stopped. So it was just kind of weird. Um, so Daryl and I had decided that we were going to try to record something together because we hadn't recorded in quite a while. So um, we had also set, uh, set aside some time to write in between the tour. 
but of course, that all came to a stop. So the writing, in a, in, in a way, was inspired not only by the isolation, but by the possibility of doing something with Daryl. So yeah, I've been writing with a little bit more pop sensibility as opposed to a rootsy bluesy thing, which I was doing prior to this. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Staying busy. <laughs> yeah, I stay busy. Yeah. <laughs> you have, you're an Aries, I saw. So <laughs> my my the only other Aries I know is my pop up, and same thing. He cannot sit still. So yeah. <laughs> right. yes, yeah, that that might be part that might be part of it, you know. So um, <laughs> so we. <laughs> no, you're um, so we have both been read. Well, I've been reading and she's been listening to Change of Seasons. Um, we're both different learners, okay. <laughs> auditory and visual. Um, it's a great book. It's wow, yeah. Um, Thank you. So Thank good. You you're much. a great writer. Honestly. Thank you. And I want, yeah, I want to well, say I, for I, what, I, anybody I, that's yeah. listening, that's a, a music geek. To, to definitely take a look at it because it, there's a lot of history in there and it was, it was just, it's awesome. Well, you know, I, um, I was a journalism major at Temple University um, on North Broad Street there. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. Uh, and um, so I, I never really got a chance to write in a long form. It's always been lyrics and songwriting. And uh, so it was something that I had a collaborator named Chris Epting, who's also from Pennsylvania. He's from Ambler. Mm. And he, um, he did a lot of research and he, he had published a few books. So he really helped me through the process. And it was, a, it was an interesting experience to do. It took me about two years. Um, my biggest challenge in the book was how do I tell my own personal story when my personal story is so wrapped up in the Hall & Oates experience and the many years that I've worked with Daryl Hall my whole adult life, basically. So that was a little bit of a challenge. I hope I, I did okay with that. You definitely did. Yes. And I, I went to North Penn High School. So I'm you from, I went, yeah, so it was so cool to hear about Hatfield um, in the 50s and 60s. Right, um, right. Yeah. Well, it I, just I sounded in, so different. I mean, if we're going to get real local here, I grew up in North <laughs> Wales. So, you know. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, so it was, you know, anybody that's from Hatfield, it's really, <laughs> North Wales, right. it's actually like really interesting to hear about the, the and that, that's where your love of cars started, right? There was a, a raceway. Yeah, there was a Hatfield Speedway. Uh, it was a little, you know, very funky dirt track and, you know, it's obviously no longer there. Uh, and that was, you know, there wasn't much to do, you know, back in those days, you know, there was a little <laughs> tiny amusement park, West Point. Do you know where I don't know if you know where West Point was? Little tiny place. There was an amusement park and they had a roller rink and some little dinky rides. Uh, so you know that was that was the only place kids could hang out. You know and dance. Yeah, and, and muskrat you know. hunting. What was muskrat hunting no. about? <laughs> I, I, I just want to know how that goes. I didn't. You know, you know, Alex. I don't think we need to go there. Go to there's certain <laughs> things that I think we have to be even on the internet. I think there's certain <laughs> things we might want to. Avoid. I have it start. <laughs> you know, you know, you <laughs> you don't you probably don't realize how country and rural Lansdale and North Wales was back in the fifties. I mean, they like were you know there were there were Amish and it was real small town stuff, you know. Uh, and so right behind where I grew up was a big field and a farm, a sheep farm, which is obviously no longer there. It's all houses now. Uh, 
but yeah, there, there was, you know, we, I used to play in the woods and the fields and it was really, it's suburb. it's the suburbs now, but it wasn't the suburbs when I grew up. Until your book, I had no idea that there were Amish in Lansdale in North Wales, because I, I grew up like west of Chester County, right near the Lancaster border. So mm-hmm. that's all there was. Yeah, yeah. But I was sure. like, wait, what? Because the Lansdale I know is the, you know, that's, that's so built up. And yeah, uh, we, had, we had a few, we had a few Amish kids at school and stuff like that. So it wow. was, a, it was an area that was, like I said, it was rural and farmy, but it was changing quickly. And right. obviously now it's just the suburb of Philly kind of. One of the questions we wanted to ask you was kind of going off that. um, If your dad's company hadn't have been moved down to Pennsylvania, do you ever think about where your life trajectory would have gone if you would have stayed in New York, especially as a musician in New York? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've, I've considered that many times. I've always said that it was probably the greatest thing my parents ever did or gift they gave to me was to move our family from New York to Philadelphia because the rest of our entire family stayed in the New York, New Jersey area, right near New York city. So we were the only ones that moved. And it was just because, as you said, because my father's job transferred him. Um, But we, you know, my parents uh, being young parents, they were only in their early twenties and, you know, uh, they, they were lonesome for their friends and their family. So even though we moved to Pennsylvania, every weekend we drove to New York City. So as a kid, as a really young kid, my entire experience was, I almost thought of myself, even though I was living in Pennsylvania and North Wales, I thought of myself as a New Yorker because my right. parents thought of themselves as New Yorkers. So when I, uh, you know, years later, when, uh, when I moved back to New York, it was like, you know, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm back where I started, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a really funny story. Um, I don't know. It's in the book, actually, but I, it's one of my favorite stories. We would always drive uh, drive in from Pennsylvania to, to New York City. And um, as we would come in, we'd come in through the Holland Tunnel, which was the tunnel that was in the lower part of Manhattan, right? So as we would come in through the Holland Tunnel, we would come up, and when you emerged from the Holland Tunnel, you were in Greenwich Village. And I always remember my mom saying, Hey, Johnny, this is where the kooks live, you know, because the beatniks, you know, the beatniks with the black, all all dressed in black. And, you know, they said, this, this is where the kooks live. And sure enough, guess where I moved when I moved back to New York. (laughs) So I always, I always thought that was pretty funny. Those are hipsters now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. now they're hipsters. Yeah, right. I, I was very happy for you that you did go back to New York a bunch because I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't miss out on those meatballs um, from your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? That's one of the few things I can still make. Um, it's one nice. of our big family traditions with our son. Uh, you know, we, we make, uh, you know, we have an Italian Christmas every year because um, we never had a traditional type of Christmas. It was always lasagna and managot and all, you know, sausage and peppers. So, uh, you know, every Christmas we make lasagna, you know, uh, as a, you know, kind of a tribute to my grandmother. Hmm. That's such a nice tradition. Um, Moving forward past the the Philly years, way way past the Philly years, um, we were really interested in your perspective on the 70s and the 80s culture, you, you just very vividly described how fast-paced and lavish it was. And I, I guess we're, we're, and how unlike any other decade it, it really was up to that point. Um, and this is kind of a two-part question. Why do you think that was? And then also, um, it seems that 
the 2020s are fast and lavish and accelerating and and we're so addicted to instant gratification uh can you draw a parallel between those two times well miss nicole that is a very large question <laughs> i know i'm sorry <laughs> shall we take one at one one Let's segment take one at a time, time yes okay. all right okay all right um well you know <laughs> The 70s were very different from the 80s, completely different. The 70s were like a reaction to the 60s. You know, they were, they were kind of, the 60s was very kind of whole, whole grain kind of, you know, let's get the hippies and be spiritual, you know, and it was a lot of bullshit involved <laughs> and a lot of drugs and stuff like that. The 70s were like, okay, let's just, forget that we were hippies and let's wear some really weird clothes and, and be like David Bowie and kind of wear makeup <laughs> and still take a lot of drugs. And, you know, it was a different energy, completely different energy. Um, then moving into the eighties, the eighties, and especially in New York city, cause I was living in New York city throughout, throughout the seventies and the eighties, the New York city in the eighties was like all about more stuff. It was like, more money, more power, more, you know, if you saw the Wolf of Wall Street movie, which I'm sure you guys probably did, Love it was movie. really like that. It actually was like that. It seems like a lot of those scenes were exaggerated, you know, with the, the cocaine and all the, with the women and all the crazy stuff, but it kind of was like that, you know, mm. in, among that kind of the Wall Street, you know, high rollers, the movers and shakers kind of pe people. So, it, it, you know, it was really like that. I guess, you know, I, I can't really speak for the times now in terms of, I think it's, it's like you said, I agree with you, it's accelerated, but not in the same way. Hmm. The technology is accelerated. The, the information, the input, the, 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 the kind of barrage of stuff that happens is like so intense. It's hard for me to, you know, wrap my head around it in a lot of ways too. Um, but, um, you know, it's just a different time. I mean, hey, I don't know what the kids are doing behind closed doors, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we don't know either at this point. <laughs> it's too, okay. it's too much for us to. <laughs> too much? Well, yeah. good. You'll, you'll probably, well, then you'll be better off as time goes on. I'm sure. um, yeah, yeah, but I think we totally, uh, Alex and I do feel the same way where it's this break and this pause in time right now has been so refreshing because it does seem like with each passing year it just goes faster and faster than the technology and the just like what we've seen from from growing up you know you know late 80s 90s to now it's just I can't believe how much has changed so well it, it is a good time right now to reset you know in in whatever way you you want to reset or or feel like you want you can because it is, you can, you can be a little bit more, you know, introspective. I mean, sure, we're doing, you know, an interview through this new, you know, kind of technology, which is really, which has been great for songwriting and to stay connected with people. But at the same time, you know, I, I mean, I, my wife and I started doing yoga about two months ago, which I, it was something I always wanted to do and I never did it. I was like, I never had time. I never had time. I was like, ah, no, I, you know, it just seemed like, something I couldn't squeeze in. But all of a sudden we did it and I was like, why didn't I do this 10 years ago, you know? So um, here again, I guess you try to make the, make the most, uh, you know, create the most positive, you know, situation out of what we've got going. 
Um, I see that, I didn't know you were taking yoga, but I see that we both were watching, we love your gardening videos. <laughs> How you do like, okay. like the recent <laughs> no. You know that's all bullshit, right? No. <laughs> okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. No, I I'm think you have a future. <laughs> so so I, I used to be a landscaper up. and I was like, wait, is he done? No, just, okay, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm gonna set the record straight. My wife is a florist, she's a floral awesome. designer. Okay, cool. I am her puppet. I am the puppet. <laughs> she's the puppet master, and I'm this like I'm guy. I mean, she's like, okay, take that, put that over here, do this, do that, that. and I'm like, and everyone thinks I'm this like floral genius, right? Okay, you know, you know what? As P.T. Barnum once said, you can fool some of the people all the time, and all the people some of the time. But you know what? Everyone loves it, so we're going to keep doing it. We're going to do our Sunday Ikebana um, uh, floral arrangement. And so I just, I just have a cup of coffee and stand around like a geek and she tells me what to do and then I do it. So there you go. I love it. You guys should do something together. She doesn't want to do it. I keep telling her, I said, I said, you're the damn floral designer. You should be the one that's out there getting all the credit and doing all this stuff. But she doesn't Aww. want, she wants, she wants me to be it. She, I think she likes to live vicariously through me. Yeah. She figures, you know, she doesn't have to be on camera. She doesn't have to worry about how she looks. You know, she can just kind of do it. She's like, she's, she's, a, she told me, you be Charlton Heston, I'll be Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, that makes yeah. sense. Yes. Yes. I love that. I mean, it's, so awesome. if I come, so if I come out in like a Roman robe, like Ben-Hur <laughs> or something, don't be surprised. Like, you know, that could happen. You never know. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need to start dressing week. up. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, what else have you been doing during quarantine to kind of stay sane and just fill up your time? Maybe it's things that you would never have done before. Um, no, I, I haven't. There's nothing I've never done other than the yoga and, <laughs> and floral arrangements. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I drive my car. I really, I'm really, I, I love, I used to race cars and I love driving and the country roads in Tennessee and Kentucky are amazing. They're really, they're not very well traveled. So they're, uh, and they're really well paved and they're beautiful scenically. They drive, you know, go through the country. So I, I go out in the countryside on, you know, um, and I go on my own and it's great. It's like meditative for me because I don't listen to the radio. I don't use my phone. Um, and I just drive and enjoy this the thing and I clear my head. I usually get a lot of like song ideas when I'm doing it. That's always something a positive from it. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what we've been doing. You know, we've been walking. Take, there's a great park nearby with trails. I like to trail run. I do things like that. You know, I try to stay fit. So, yeah. I have a oh, very, oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. You go. go. No, no, go ahead. Oh, go you ahead. go. You go first. No, you go. No, you go. <laughs> it's a really specific okay. question. So you go. go, ahead. go ahead. No, no. Go okay. So um, in your book, you talked about you had a friend that you grew up with that had passed from serving um, and you had to perform a song at his funeral. Yeah. And which is always really, really, really hard to do you know and um i can't imagine uh choosing an anti-war song and i wanted to know because you kind of stopped there and i wanted to know how that went um and if anyone noticed or, or you know your song choice or and what the song was it was very hard it was very very hard that the the the, the boy you were talking about is is he was my without a doubt one of my best friends in high school we were on the wrestling team together i actually dated his sister 
I mean, we oh, were wow. very close. Our parents knew each other. And he went to, um, he went to one year in college uh, at East Stroudsburg in Pennsylvania. And he dropped out. I don't know why he dropped out, but he joined the Marines. And he was a gentle kid. He wasn't really a macho dude or anything like that. And uh, so he went off to Vietnam, and unfortunately, he got killed. So when um, when he they brought his body back, or, or whatever remained of it, uh, it was a closed casket. It was very sad. And his parents asked me if I would sing a song. So in the church, it was a, they were Catholic. It was a Catholic church. So I I didn't know how to deal with it. It was you know I mean I was only twenty you know twenty twenty maybe twenty one mm-hmm. um, when it happened and. Uh, I remember I didn't want to sing it, you know, in front of everyone because I, I didn't know what was going to happen emotionally. So I went up in the balcony of the church and I sang it from up there so no one could see me. And it, it was not easy to get through that song. I have wow. to be honest with you. So I chose that song because I didn't know what else to sing. And um, I just, uh, it seemed like a song that, you know, it's a, it a Civil War song. The Civil War was a really, you know, horrible time for, in American history. Uh, Americans killing Americans, horrible situation, and I uh, and I was not a I was not a, a, a fan of the Vietnam War. I didn't believe in it. I thought it was wrong from the beginning. Um, I and I you know, till the, to this day, I I never really uh, you know was something that I think there was a, a bad a bad mistake on a, in, in a you know in American history. So mm-hmm. um, so I I just needed to get through it the best way I could. Yeah. That. That really resonated with me uh, because I feel like sometimes those song choices or even in the writing process, um, writing songs where you are speaking to how you feel about such sensitive issues um, can be really daunting and uncomfortable. And like this morning, uh, I kept seeing the headlines about um, George Floyd, who had just passed away from um, an officer um, and the headline was, I can't breathe. And I was like freaking out because I wrote a song six years ago because of the same headline, I can't breathe because of Eric Garner. And I was like, is it the anniversary? What is this? And I couldn't believe it happened again. And I remember when I would perform that song, I felt so uncomfortable because, um, because I'm white. And also because uh, and it, it was sad and, and never, you know, I remember my friends and a producer telling me that song is so too depressing. Like, don't do anything with that. Um, and I did it. And today I was like, wow, like I didn't even realize until today, like not doing that song anymore was such a passive choice. And I regret that. But um, I really appreciated hearing that you did that, and um, it, it, I think it helped me today realize, you know, what had happened with that song for me, so thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's really, that's, that's the beauty and the power of, of songwriting. You know, when, when a song like that you wrote years ago, all of a sudden you realize can still resonate in today or with a circumstance that had nothing to do with your inspiration to write it. Um, same thing happened with a song that I wrote with uh, Nathan Chapman about six years ago. We wrote a song about struggle, uh, and it was we called it was called "Pushing a Rock Uphill," and um, we wrote it together. And just recently, I you know was asked to play it on one of these internet uh, acoustic performances, wow. and um, I told you know I told him I was going to play it, and you know we both talked about how it, you know what's going on today has nothing to do with 
what we were thinking about when we wrote it years ago, but yet it still seems as valid and as, as important now. And so as songwriters, because we're all songwriters, and, and which is, you know, one of the greatest things, you know, I mean, it's one of the best jobs you can have because you can, you can create magic, you can create something from nothing, and you can articulate emotions for for people that perhaps they they can't do things they may want to they feel or they they would want to express but they don't know how to do it and as a songwriter if you can do that you know that's a that's a gift and it's a gift to to yourself uh, to to so that you can elicit that emotion but it's also a gift to to the people that hear it you know so don't stop singing that song you should actually <laughs> sing it mm-hmm. amen and then I want to ask you about Madonna you got in a fight with Madonna. Uh. That okay. fight okay. is like a celebrity okay. death Hold on, <laughs> Hold on a second. We go we go from crying in the church over no. over over my well, my friend who passed away I'm to Madonna. Sorry. Okay. No, I'm sorry, but I yeah, we had to transition <laughs> and we also only have 40 minutes. But <laughs> so I apologize. Um no, yeah, I well in the I think that it's related in my mind because um with that, like staying true to who you are as an artist and a songwriter. Um, and there's a lot of noise and a lot of like, you know, music videos. And like I, when you were telling a story on an interview about, um, you know, you talking to Madonna about that, your, your feelings about that. Like, again, that's, no, let's, that's hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold can on, you Alex. tell the story? Let's, yeah. Let's get something. Let's get something straight. I wasn't talking to Madonna about anything. She was yelling at me. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Can you, can you help yeah. tell, retell the story? She, she, we were on, we were on this thing called a new music panel. It was, um, it was during new wave, uh, when new wave music kind of started and when MTV kind of started. And so they had this uh, music seminar in New York City, and we, we were on a panel together. I happened to be sitting next to her. Um, and uh, we were discussing the power of music videos because it was such a new thing. It was revolutionary. Everyone was so excited about MTV. And I made a comment that's, that said, hey, you know what? Sure, it's great. It's great promotion. I, don't, I never wanted to be an actor. All I care about is making music. And if I have to jump around in front of a camera, well, that's, that's okay. And she lit into me like, you stupid, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> and music's the future. Music videos are the future. And, and honestly, you know, it was kind of one of those kind of things. And from her point of view, her first record happened at the exact same time as, as MTV. Mm-hmm. My first record happened 10 years before that. So I saw MTV as just an extra thing. She saw it as part and parcel of what she did. And she was totally right because mm-hmm. music videos made her career. Mm-hmm. initially. And she set the standard for that kind of stuff. So she was right from her point of view when I was right from my point of view, but she's yeah. a, she's a kind of in your face kind of gal. So um, there you go. Uh, it's an epic, com- it's just an epic. Uh, yeah. So, like, because even today I feel like there's so much social media and so much noise and that's the way it's going. And the, you know, the person who just wants to sit in my room and be quiet and write like, sometimes I have trouble with that. So that conversation was like, wow, oh, that's so crazy. Okay. Well, I'll let, I'll let Madonna know. I'm going to see. 
<laughs> Thanks for speaking up. Thanks for making that comment and getting yelled at. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Nicole, I really yes. like you. I like your white jazz master. Uh, it's not a jazz. Oh, master. thank you. It, you know, it's actually, like jazz it's yeah, it is a jazz master, but it's just okay. a Fender Squire, so it's nothing special. Yeah. But thank you. Right. I've got I've got one as well. I like that guitar. It's That's cool. awesome. Yeah, it's and it's like a great your, guitar. And I like your tunings. Thank you. I love the open D tunings. I'm yep. a big open D fan. Yeah, yes. I like it too. Really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Really cool. And you know what? Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Yeah. Since believe it or not, you are now getting interviewed. So just <laughs> um, when you did that one song, uh, did you have an octave divider on the guitar or were you playing to a bass part? No, neither. But there was so much low end, it was cool. It was like it, real so rich. It, it, it's literally the open D tuning. And all, I mean, oh, okay. all, yeah. And all I yeah, put on really it is cool. reverb and chorus. That's it. Yeah, it sounded really so, good. It sounded really good. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun. Do, do you ever experiment with alternate tunings? I do. I, um, I have a lot of alternate tunings. I, I, do, I do a lot in the open E and uh, open C. I even, I even tune down to C. Um, wow. That's awesome. This, Meeting has been upgraded by the host and now includes unlimited yeah. minutes. Wow. Did we win I, something? Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Who did it? I, I didn't do I think it. it was your car. You know what it is? We're, <laughs> we, are so, we are so entertaining and interesting yes. that the, 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 the weird like universe of... Right? Just world, extended it for us. Thank you, universe. Said, you guys are on a roll. Keep going. Okay. All right. <laughs> that has never happened in any of our interviews. That's ah, never happened. It's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> it's the John Oates magic. Um, I'm so, you, you were saying C. Yes. So I've only done that um, a few times. Oh, okay. am I gone now? <laughs> she, you got deleted. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Wait, can you guys hear me? <laughs> we can hear you, but you're, you've, oh, become like this weird, you've become this weird black and white. Oh, you know why? There we go. Thing. Someone was calling me. That's <laughs> She's annoying. in the interweb. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You got lost. Yeah, you can have 40 extra minutes, but we're, we're taking your soul. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the C tuning is always so daunting to me because I am so afraid of breaking a string. Well, you have to, what you have to do, you're actually tuning, you don't worry about that because you're tuning down. You're tuning below, you're tuning down to it. Right. So it's like a it's like an open E tuning, but it's all but starting in C. So what you have to do is you have to put heavier gauge strings on your guitar because the strings will be so loose and floppy if you use normal like gauge, light gauge strings. Right. When you tune down to C, it'll feel like you have rubber bands on the guitar. So you have to go up to a medium or heavy gauge string, but then you have to be careful because certain guitars, especially acoustics, they don't want to have a really heavy heavy gauge string. Right. Uh, it's the same tuning that Joni Mitchell used mm -hmm. um, when later on in her career when she didn't want to sing so high. So yeah. she started in D. She always she started in a lot of E and D tunings. And then she, as as the years went on, she still wanted to do the same songs with the same same fingering. So she tuned down to C. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember trying to learn one of her songs and it was in that tuning, which was one, yeah. one of the few times I tried it. And I, and I think I got there, but I, it was, it, I was very anxiety ridden. I remember that. I remember that being scared. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then Alex is, a, you're, you're, pr you, you pretty much standard, but you play some funky chords. 
lots of yeah i was self-taught so i did my own tuning like for soul folk blues and oh, yeah really? yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, look forward. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check you out um well i was like i love pa- make me down a palette that's like the you know and yeah. so i saw you did that and um mm-hmm. all of those old blues songs but yeah they're, they're the best okay. alex alex has a song called lady landscaper which would be perfect <laughs> for your wife <laughs> Lady landscaper. <laughs> it makes me That's think of your true. wife. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so we wanted to ask you, reading the book, just knowing about your, you know, your life story, and of course, growing up as Philadelphians, like Hollow Notes is kind of just in our DNA when we're born. <laughs> um, so it seems like you have lived multiple lifetimes in in one, um, and there's been ups and downs and everything in between. Have you always had this Zen-like quality that you see that you just have now, um, or or not? Did it shape you? I I don't know whether I have it or not. I <laughs> I try to I try to take the high road. You know, I've always tried to I try to do the right thing. I had good parents. You know, I was fortunate to grow up in a you know good solid household and you know, middle class, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we didn't want anything either. So mm. um, I've, I've had a very, you know, I've always been like, a, am kind of down to earth, I guess you call it. And I just, um, I like being that way. I like, I like people, I like treating people fairly. And um, it's just one of those things when, when bad things have happened over the years, like, you know, I had, if you read the book, you probably know that there was, you know, some, some really bad business situations that, that I had to work through. And at the time, you know, um, you know, in my, I was in my thirties when that happened, late thirties. And I, I, you know, the rug was pulled out from under me. And whenever that happens in your life, especially as you get older, it's hard to recover from it because when you're young, you can kind of bounce back. You got plenty of time and you got time on your side. Uh, But when you're older, you know, so when it happened to me, it was very traumatic. And I thought to my, and I, and I had a lot of negative negativity and I wasn't very Zen like I was like, I wanted revenge and I wanted Mm. to get back at the people who did me wrong, so to speak. But years later, after being able to see it from a, you know, a different lens from the lens of, you know, of time, I realized if those things hadn't happened to me, I might've just carried on in the same way I was carrying on, you know, at the time, which wasn't healthy or good necessarily. And it allowed me to, you know, I moved to Colorado. I, I got, I got divorced. I moved to Colorado. I met my, my wife who, you know, at the time we hit, we built a house, had a kid, all those things wouldn't have happened had that rug not been pulled out from under me. So even though it was maybe the, I at the time thought it was the lowest time in my life turned out to probably be the best time in my life because it actually set me on a course for the future that I never would have done had that not happened. So sometimes you need a kick in the ass in order to figure out what you, you know, what you really need to do, you know. It sounds like it potentially saved your life. It did. Because, I mean, I would have just, you know, I was, I was living, you know, I was living a life of an irresponsible 80s rock star, um, which a lot of people probably would love to do. Um, And and I'm not going to lie, it was a lot of fun involved and, you know, running around the world and being, you know, not caring about business, not caring about money, not caring about anything. And, but then it caught up to me and 
had I not done that, who knows, I might've just kept doing that and ended up being, you know, whatever, something not, not very, uh, not very good or wholesome or, uh, healthy. Yeah. Wow. Um, is there anything that you could potentially share with, uh, aspiring singer songwriters, anything that you've learned throughout this, the, the, your, your tenure, especially in this modern music industry? You know, the modern music industry is a, is a really challenging place to be as a young artist, songwriter, uh, musician. Uh, I do not envy you guys, your generation, for having, you know, what, what you're facing. Um, and on one hand, you know, the positive side is that everyone has a voice now through the Internet and through uh, digital distribution. Anyone who makes music can be heard. But the negative side is that anyone who makes music can be heard. So, you know, you have this incredible glut of stuff that's out there that you have to cut through to get attraction, to, to, to gather a following or to find people who, and I think you, if you accept, if you accept that the days of the, you know, the, 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 the albums like Thriller and Frampton Comes Alive that sold, you know, 80 million, you know, albums and all that stuff, those days are over and they never will come back again. But then again, streaming, there are people out there who are streaming millions and millions of streams. So it's, it's, it's really trans, it's, 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 it's transmuted into this other thing. And I think what you, you, know, you guys have to do to get your word out and to get your music out is to accept what it is and work within that system, which you're all doing. Um, so, you know, I, but then when it all comes down to basics, it's always the same. Write the best song you can play, you know, learn your instrument, be, be a, uh, you know, don't rely on technology to do it for you. Be, be proud of, 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 of being, of having a musical tradition, learn how to sing, learn how to write, learn how to play, listen to the people you like, listen to the, to your heroes and try to, I always, I always tell young musicians, try to learn songs from the people you love. Mm. Try to learn them exactly the way they did it, because in doing so, you can unlock something of how they think, how, how their artistic brain translates to their instrument and their voice, and how they, they do what they do. And then, even though you may be copying them at first, hopefully, if you have creativity, you can take that knowledge of how they do what they do and make it your own, and then you can do something that's original and unique to yourself. So I think that's, you know, it's a time-honored tradition. You know, musicians have always studied from the masters. You know, whether it's any kind of art form, it's always the same. You study from the masters, you learn, you know, you, you try to, you know, if you're a painter, you try to copy, you know, a painter that you love. You know, you try to understand their technique, what colors they use, the techniques they use in their brush strokes, whatever it might be. And so it's the same in any artistic endeavor, you know, learn from the people you love and try to try to, you know, expand on it to, to, to make something of your own. That's the best I can do. Well, we, we love you yeah. and we <laughs> cover your songs all the time. And I just thank you so much for sharing your music and your soul with us, you know, yeah. with everyone. Oh, it's well, thanks. Really- it was a pleasure to come on. And I'll have, you know, that if it wasn't for my wife, we wouldn't be doing this. So uh- Aww. So you can thank her. She Aww. told me, she goes, oh, you've got to, Nicole Zell, she's cool. you got to talk to her. So Aww. she 
She did it. I'm telling you, you have no idea. I'm, I'm actually not talking right now. I'm just moving my mouth. <laughs> and she's behind me. And what's coming out is really... <laughs> Well, we love your wife too. Oh, that's Good. so We love her. Tell her thank you. That really means a lot. Thank you so much. Okay. I yeah. just want to let you know that. Right. John, yeah, th again, for sharing your energy, sharing your time, and uh, for your birthday car for coming on. Thank you for both coming on together. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, there you go. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. And uh, yeah, just well, keep, keep, uh, keep writing, keep making music. I'll, I'll, I'll be following you guys. I'll check you out. Thank you so much, John. All right. Stay Bye. well. <laughs> See you. Bye. You can be part of the Follow Your Art fam by subscribing to the podcast and following us on social media. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash followyourartpodcast. And our Instagram is instagram.com slash followyourart underscore podcast. We'd like this podcast to be a community experience. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to explore, or if you'd like to submit your art to be featured on all our social media platforms, feel free to email us at followyourartpodcast at gmail.com. A quick thank you to Benya Varshai for providing the intro and the outro music, our studio helpers. You've been listening to Follow Your Art. <laughs>